0: This is your principal speaking. Grab your books
1: and grab your bags. Get down the hall and get to class. Welcome back, class. It's another episode of Higher Education. As always, to make sure you haven't gotten lost down the halls, I'm Noelle, your sober researcher. And I'm Laura. So, Laura, tell us, what is our strain of the day for tonight's episode?
0: For our very special episode, I got rainbow chip.
1: Rainbow chip! Very nice and very appropriate for the theme of tonight's uh, episode, which is Pride Month! Happy Pride, everyone! Happy Pride, everyone! So tell me, Laura, on this June, the wonderful, wonderful month where we celebrate Pride Month and Pride history, what is your question?
0: I want to know, or I guess, what happened at Stonegate, right? Stonewall? Stonewall. Okay. God, okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry.
1: No, that's okay. I was talking
0: about Watergate with people at work today.
1: Oh, so, okay.
0: I, I think that that's why that was like...
1: On the forefront of your... mind. Anyway, okay. Well, you're not entirely off the mark as far as like timeline and history, though. When you're talking about Watergate... And Stonewall.
0: But anyway, okay. The question of the day is, <laughs> what happened at Stonewall?
1: I am so glad that you asked. So, to be able to get into the history of Stonewall, and specifically the Stonewall Inn, and the Stonewall Riots, we have to go a lot further back than <laughs> even Stonewall. So, it's everybody's favorite bit of the episode. We're going in our way back machine. <laughs> So welcome back here to the 1200s. And wouldn't you know it, this is when we get the first documentation of making anything gay illegal.
0: Oh, it happened a lot further back than I thought.
1: Well, this is the furthest back from the history records that have still remained intact that we can be able to document um, the penalization of sodomy and same-sex relationships and relations, which unfortunately continued to grow not only in the frequency of them and the widespreadness of them, but also the severity of them as they continued on. And as always, and as we've talked about in our earlier episodes, colonialism, so whatever goes on in England spreads everywhere else, and that also includes the penalization of the gay and lesbian community, with a lot of different penal codes and laws that criminalized same-sex relationships, which carried over to the Americas and were blended in to our history as a nation. Unfortunately. Okay, so you said that was in like twelve hundred. That's the furthest back documentation that we could find. We can, okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So really, that's that's not really that long ago because Christians believe, you know, that the Bible was giving you that those rules, like before you know from the beginning of time is what some christians say (laughs) not to say that all christians believe that way but and that the bible was written that's like i don't know what i'm trying to say i guess that it's interesting to me that that wouldn't it's i'm glad that that is not being counted as historically accurate information
1: a lot of the times it is it does make sense Basically, as far as actual legal, as in the law of the land kind of laws, it's the earliest dated documentation that we can find that it was actually put into some sort of legislation, if you will. Right. And unfortunately, the Bible is used by a lot of different political um, agendas as kind of like Look, God took everything out on Sodom and Gomorrah, and it's from Sodom that we get the word sodomy.
0: Which I do want to point out that. Did I interrupt? I'm sorry. Oh, no. Okay. All. I do want to point out that that passage from the Bible is talking about rape. It's talking about raping children and men raping men. It's not just talking about men sleeping with men or women sleeping with women. It is about rape. If you exactly. go back and look at context. Anyway,
1: and again, (laughs) it is and actually it was in the 1920s that the Bible was specifically rewritten here in America to exclude that information pertaining specifically to rape so that it could be used to further empower the movement of attacking the LGBT community as a whole, which unfortunately continued on through legislation, through laws and most frequently through police raids.
0: I do just want to clarify one thing real quick back. The Bible that I read is the ESV Bible, which is the most accurate translation. It's translated from a more historical um, thing than... And so in when in the ESV Bible, it is worded differently. So if you guys are interested in reading the Bible that is not like that, I suggest the ESV Bible.
1: It's, again, it's, it's all about publishers and other people cutting things out. And it's the cherry picking of information to help fuel the fire of attacking an entire community. Right. And
0: that's what I was saying was if the ESV Bible has really changed my viewpoint on a lot of things that I grew up learning because it's like historians looking back at the actual text and everything and redoing it. So that's what I was just saying. When you go back and reread it in the actually literal translation of things, it's talking about rape is what I was meaning to
1: No, and I think that is so important to point out that it's all about the context. And specifically, it is talking about an act of violence, as opposed to what we see from the LGBTQ community. It's the same as anybody else in love. It's an act of love. It's an act of expression. And that is what it's supposed to be. It's being
0: mistranslated so often to, and it it just sucks because, I mean, in any community, rape, in the LGBTQ community and you know, if mm-hmm. if the people find out that someone is harming people in that way, especially in that way, it it shouldn't be taken as the same thing. It shouldn't be anywhere near the same level.
1: Exactly. And it,
0: it does kind of break my heart that it that it is taken that way. It was way, I weaponized
1: guess. in that way against the right. community. Right.
0: Anyway, wow. <laughs> I'm real sorry.
1: That's okay. Apparently no. I'm
0: real Philosophical tonight. That is highness.
1: okay. I like philosophical Laura. <laughs> Hi, philosophical Laura. We're she doesn't that. visit
0: very often, but she, she does visit. She
1: doesn't. So I'm glad to have you on the podcast tonight. So imagine you are a member of a community that for hundreds, thousands of years, you are being persecuted and basically told that, you know, your way of life, who you love is illegal, what you're feeling is wrong. Oftentimes in a lot of these laws they, la- they have labeled homosexuality and the whole LGBTQ community as it was a disease, it was a mental illness, it was morally corrupt, all these different, horrible, incorrect, unproven ideas and radical thoughts about what it was and creating laws to be able to punish people for just trying to be themselves and love who they wanted to love
0: right and it because i even saw something today that like a senator or somebody was saying that like homosexual people or transgender people or any like he was did you see the clip of it
1: i didn't see the clip of it yet it was
0: just he he was saying that they need to be persecuted for treason and and it was on fox news obviously but it just it it's So many years later, it is breaking my heart that it's just these people want to love who they love and that it just it's really sad. And it's really sad for them, right? And for you guys right now, it's, (laughs) you know, just a sad time that we're going so far back after we thought we had progressed further, I guess.
1: And that that's the biggest thing that I found in a lot of my research is members of the LGBTQ community saying things like what you think will take five years is going to take 50. Yeah. So the push and the fight for human rights, because gay rights are human rights, have been a struggle for the longest time. Um, There's a beautiful documentary that I highly recommend to everybody. It's available on Netflix. It actually features the story of the love between two women who were actually a part of the women's baseball league that a league of our own is actually based Aww. on. Yeah, they met each other playing baseball during World War, during the World War, they fell in love and stayed together for all that time, but oh they had God. to keep their relationship a secret and basically were like, "Oh yeah, you know, we're two single broke girls. We got to live together as roommates, you know, that whole right. that whole story." But it's a beautiful beautiful story of just two people who love each other and had to try and keep that safe because these police raids could even take place in people's homes if the neighbors called and made a complaint saying that they thought there was a gay party or something going on. But particularly, these raids were rampant upon the communities and locations that were supposed to be safe havens for these members of the community, usually in bars. So let's hop forward a little further in history and get to 1969. Nice. So (laughs)
0: we went to the moon in 1969. We did. So
1: 1969 was a radical time in the United States. We had some insane things with the Vietnam War. We had the landing on the moon. We had the uh, sadly, the assassinations of JFK and Martin Luther King Jr., Robert Kennedy, Richard Nixon goes into office not too long after that. Watergate. Watergate. So, see, everything comes full circle. (laughs) The main thing that is still going on at this time is that sodomy, same sex relationships, and what is considered what was considered then as cross dressing were all considered acts of sexual deviancy and were all illegal under the law. And illegal under the law in the place where our story takes place, New York City. In Greenwich Village on Christopher Street sits the Stonewall Inn, a established gay bar in Greenwich Village, one of several actually, um, at that time. Usually the narrative of the Stonewall riots is that, oh, the Stonewall Inn was a beloved gay bar. The police came in and they rioted and were attacking the patrons there. And they weren't going to take it anymore. And Marsha P. Johnson threw the first shot glass and it shattered the mirror on the backside of the bar. And there were kick lines of drag queens trying to keep the police at bay. And... Actually a good portion of that is considered like the condensed down version of the story. Not all of that is historically accurate. So we're going to get into the more historical accurate account of that night in June of tw- June the 28th of 1969. June 28th, 1969, Judy Garland has just died. Her funeral was actually that day and of course She was much beloved by the gay community. A lot of people were out and about and going to the gay bars. The Stonewall Inn was actually a rundown, dirty, hole-in-the-wall place, which I found out, and I didn't know this at the start of my research, it was owned by the mafia. Mm. So the mob ran the Stonewall Inn, realizing that there was a need for a place for gay people to go to. And so they upcharged all of the patrons, watered down the drinks, and tried to get as much money out of everybody that was coming in as possible. Because, again, same-sex relationships are not legal. Dressing in clothing that is deemed not appropriate for your gender is illegal. So... Trans people are not safe, gay and lesbian people are not safe, and so going into these bars and these places, it was a home and a place for community and togetherness. So even though you were paying more for the drinks, you at least had a place to go, because a lot of these people were even homeless or struggling with being housed. So the park there on Christopher Street, known as Sheridan Square, was a very huge community area for the gay community in Greenwich Village. An interesting fact on that, the police were actually supposed to be getting payoffs by the mafia to not raid it, but they still went in frequently and actually raided the Stonewall Inn on a fairly regular basis. On that particular night, they nine police officers went into the Stonewall Inn to do what they do, arrest a couple of drag queens and transgender individuals, arrest bartenders, patrons, anybody that they could that looked gay. And throw them in the paddy wagon, take them to jail, beat them up, and make money and do what they do by arresting people. However, on this night, the residents and the patrons of Stonewall Inn had had a flip enough, <laughs> and nobody can definitively say who threw what and who did it first. But something was thrown, and suddenly a riot began. Hmm. <laughs> Hilariously enough, of all the things that I told you of the condensed version of the Stonewall Riot, the whole thing about the drag queens forming a kick line to try and keep the police at bay, most historically accurate thing of that (laughs) night, according to actual individuals who were there the night of the riot at Stonewall. Hmm. That's cool. Mm hmm. So they formed a kick line to try to keep the police at bay and keep them from. And they just like kicked people. up their legs. Mm-hmm. Just kicked up their legs. Apparently they even had a song that was sung to the theme, to the tune of Howdy Doody. That old, the old TV show to its theme song. Mm-hmm. I did not write down the lyrics to it. But in the links of my research, I do have the video that goes back and details all that information and has the interviews with the survivors and the people that were there during the riot so you
0: said nobody died
1: well, well survivors as in they they're alive today
0: oh okay like people that were there that are still alive yes that
1: are still alive now
0: okay <laughs> sorry it's okay laura <laughs> anyway
1: philosophical Laura is is a little anxious no
0: she told me that nobody was gonna die
1: no okay so the police are trying to get a handle and they're fighting against all of the people here and everybody there is done taking this bs from the cops and so then they're fighting against the cops the fire the cops are fighting against the rioters and the Cops quickly realize there's nine of us and there's a lot of drag queens and a lot of gay men and lesbian women here. We are not looking so hot. So they lock themselves and barricade themselves inside the Stonewall Inn. And then the inn was set on fire. (laughs) The police were able to escape out the back with only three of them being injured out of the nine. But more police began to show up as the riot continued on. But as it did, more people of the gay community came out in droves to Stonewall to fend off the police and just riot and let them know we're here and we are done with taking this nonsense. Noted... Individuals that came to the forefront during the riots and afterwards included Marsha P. Johnson, a African-American trans woman, activist, and survival sex worker. She survived working as a sex worker in New York City during this very dangerous time for trans women and for the gay community as a means of survival. And she, along with Sylvia Rivera, were two of the biggest forefronts for the transgender community and showing a presence for that community that even in the gay community at that time were very much disenfranchised and even told, you know, with what all the things we're doing over here, we don't want you to be a part of it. Because it's that whole thing that even in a group that is supposed to be like so together and so united, there's still division, Um, which is why I think it's so great that now it's not the gay and lesbian rights, it's LGBTQAI rights. It's the rights for everybody that is on the spectrum.
0: No matter how you identify.
1: Not just. But there is that.
0: That's what you're saying is like there are people on. Like, there are people that don't think bisexual is a thing that are in the, that are gay or lesbian. They don't think that being bisexual exists.
1: So, and that's a thing also that straight people do too. So, bi erasure is definitely an issue and it's still a part of the gay rights movement. And Mm. that's the main reason that the Stonewall riots were such a huge thing. Because it wasn't just that one night. These riots of everyone coming out in droves continued until July 1st. But that was the first night that it went down. According to Marsha's own words, like I said, a lot of people think Marsha was the one who threw the first object, be it a shot glass, a brick, a rock that started the riot. But actually, she in her own words even said she didn't get there until two o'clock in the morning when the Stonewall Inn was already on fire.
0: So she couldn't have thrown the first brick.
1: According to her account of the story. But I think it's really great that the narrative is now giving her credit and credence because the following year in 1970, the big thing that happened after the Stonewall riots is the birth of the Gay Liberation Front that really pulled together the community and brought forth a huge wave of activism, Uh, marches, protests that continued on and took place not only in New York City In Sheridan Square, where the Stonewall Inn was, but also there were parades um, being held to celebrate and remember Stonewall in Los Angeles and in um, San Francisco that same year. So it was a movement and an entire organization that was happening even across different parts of the country. Hmm. At that time, it was known as the Christopher Street Liberation March. Um, and it was the first gay rights and gay pride parade huh. in the US. And um, the main thing of that that really pushed Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera into the spotlight was because organizers of the march specifically told Black and trans individuals in the community we don't want you to march with us. Mm-hmm. Marsha was not going to have that. Right. So when the entire parade got to the end of it, where there was a huge platform put together, where people were making political speeches and empowering rallies and everything, she stood up in a crowd in front of hundreds of people booing at her that she was a part of the same community of and basically told them like, you need to recognize your privilege as white people because my gay brothers and sisters are rotting away in jail right now because of who they are and their rights are just the same as your rights that you're here fighting for. And we all need to be part of the same movement.
0: Right. Because if there's a divide in something like that, like the divide within that community, you know, there shouldn't be for any reason. I feel like it's probably gotten a lot better. Nowadays, at least in the LGBTQIA community, did I?
1: Yes, you okay. did a wonderful <laughs> job on that, Laura. Good job.
0: But it sucks that it.
1: That was one of the more heartbreaking things to kind of learn in my research on this because I had always been taught and came up with the narrative of Marsha did throw the first shot glass and she was totally included and in part of this entire thing. But it also makes sense considering all the other sorts of movements of moving for more human rights across the board, Black women, Black trans women, people of color in general are always historically pushed to the background. So I am so proud and so happy that there has been more room and more space being made so that everyone's voice can be put to the forefront, but particularly Black trans women, because without Marsha, without all of the amazing, strong, proud people that have stepped forth, we would not have gotten to where we are now and where I hope we continue to go. And while there will always, unfortunately, be people trying to dehumanize the LGBTQ community, I know that there are also people that recognize the humanity in other humans, and we will continue to fight for everyone's rights. Right.
0: And I It's hard for me to put an opinion on whether it's getting better or not because I'm not in the, I, I don't, you know, I, I've never had to experience anything like that before. So I, it's hard for me to, to say, but it does, it, it breaks my heart to see people just to, even on TikTok when a, a creator, a queer creator, is, to see people just be mean to them for, for no reason. And it's, it, so much hate is caused. Over something that has absolutely nothing to do with anybody else besides that person and their consenting partners. That's Mm -hmm. anything outside of that. Why Why does it matter? You don't want people in – I don't want people in my sex life and, you know, asking me questions about what me and my boyfriend do or why we do it or if it's legal what we're doing. You know, and and straight people don't have to go through that. And it just, it's something that's so personal and should just be something special between those two people. And then...
1: And it should be something that's just given and not something that an entire community for generations has to fight for, has to push legislation to recognize their humanity and the rights that should just be naturally given to them as residents of this country, residents of any country, and just as human beings on this planet. So it's very disheartening that any push... I always try to be as optimistic as I can, so I think any push that we can get to go forward is progress. And that's all that we can do. We gotta keep pushing the grindstone and keep making that progress happen as much as we can. And I think as far as people having so much hate in them, hate... I'm gonna get a little Star Warsy here. Hate derives from fear. Fear comes from the unknown if we better educate ourselves, if we expose ourselves to more people and see the humanity and the beauty that we have in one another, those people don't become a they, they become an us.
0: Right. And I I genuinely hope that that it can be that way sometime, but someday, but I just, even people our age, they still are hateful about this kind these types of things. And it's, it's something that's been taught and taught and taught for so many years. And I, from the town that I'm from, it takes a person in somewhere to break the, to break the, the chain of racism and
1: homophobia. homophobia
0: and sexism and, you know, all these other things. And I think that it's getting better, but at the same time, it, I just see so much hate in the world and it, just, it sucks because it, People hate each other over things, like I said, that they have no control over and that doesn't affect anybody else because, Mm -hmm. you know, your sexual orientation, it's nobody else's business and you can't change it just like you can't change the color of your skin.
1: It's so important for us to talk about these things and as uplifting and as amazing as Pride Month is, we have to acknowledge how things were before. And we say this about every hard topic we talk about here on the show We have to acknowledge what happened prior so we don't revert back to that. So we can continue that progression and that march forward to do better and be better people. And like you said, it's all about breaking the cycle and that wheel of ignorance and not knowing. And the best way to do it is by educating yourself, which is what we do here on the podcast every single time. (laughs) And what we hope that we help provide for all of you, our wonderful class and listeners. And I feel we're pretty impassioned about this topic too, because we have friends and we have family that are LGBTQAI that are on the spectrum. I myself am, even with my privilege that I recognize as a white female in this country, I'm demisexual. And while my identification is way, way lighter over here on the part of the ACE spectrum, (laughs) it's still something very different from what is considered like the normal orientation. Right. But I recognize my privilege and what I hope that I do with it every single day is to push to be a better person and try to make the world a better place and make it a safer, supportive, and more loving one for all the people here that I love.
0: Right. And to the best thing that anybody can do to try to make things fair, especially in Arkansas, is to vote. And I know I hear from people all the time, well, my vote doesn't matter. Like, why would I go vote? It it matters, especially for people in our age group, for the liberals that live in Arkansas. I know you're here. I know you're here. You just don't go vote. <laughs>
1: but You got to go vote, guys. Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. I don't know. I was just saying, you got to go vote.
0: Right. You just please vote, especially in the upcoming elections. I, and I know we're trying not to get super political, but it just, it's so important right now for, for these rights and for women's rights and for just everybody in general, just to vote. God, me and Noel have teared <laughs> up a little bit a couple times on this episode, but anyway.
1: Well, and the impact of the Stonewall riots, like I said, it was the start the following year of the very first Pride parade slash protest. And it continued every single year after that um, in the same location, right there in Sheridan Park, right in Greenwich Village, right there on Christopher Street, right at the same location where the Stonewall Inn used to be the building actually changed quite a few times over the years at one point it was abandoned at other times it was a bagel shop Aww, um i what, love that right <laughs> one of my favorite quotes from one of the original um stonewall residents was uh we want our rights with schmear <laughs> and i was like only in new york only in new york baby i love it
0: i love a good schmear
1: we all love a good schmear our apologies to any New York listeners if we have any of y'all. Give us a hey in the comments on any of our social media. Which, Laura, how can they reach us on social media? Oh, are we already at the end? Not quite, but I figured this is a good time to plug. Okay, sorry. Social
0: <laughs> media. Uh, we don't have a Facebook right now, so not Facebook. So we have an Instagram, and it's Higher Education. No, sorry. It's Higher Ed Pod 420.
1: And, you can and then also... the name is like
0: Higher Education, so.
1: You can also reach us at that same name on our Gmail account if you want to shoot us an email at higheredpod420 at gmail.com. So you can shoot a email or letter to me and Laura, and we'll be uh, happy to hear from you guys. We
0: would love to hear, like, any questions or things that you guys would like us to cover.
1: Or just to say hey.
0: <laughs> also that.
1: Back to uh, – Stonewall Riots, the Gay Front Liberation, so the march is continuing on year after year. But the theme and what the marches continue to stand for evolves and changes over time. So whenever something happens, particularly to the LGBTQAI community, everybody seems to center right back to that spot at the Stonewall Inn at its location. So everything from the assassination of Harvey Milk, going into the AIDS crisis in the 80s, and continuing forward, it continues to be this, almost like a homing beacon. So anything major that happens, it all comes back to the Stonewall. So it's kind of the cornerstone, in a lot of ways, of this big wave of gay rights movement and activism here in the United States. And there were a lot of different groups and movements that were going on before this, but it was kind of a catalyst that kicked off everything. And then, of course, we get to 2016 at the tail end of President Barack Obama and his administration, and he declares the area for the Stonewall Inn and um, Sheridan Square and the little park right there on Christopher Street. And the surrounding area as a national monument, and it gains national state park status. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. So now there are actually guided tours right there in the square and at the Stonewall Inn. The Stonewall Inn is now an established uh, establishment again. So it is an uh, open, available there gay bar um, where people can just come in, get a drink, hear stories from folks who were there the night of the Stonewall riots and through all of the marches and everything that happened. And that's part of the reason I said survivors that have made it today from the Stonewall riots, because, of course, with the AIDS epidemic and the violence that's still perpetuated against the gay community for all these decades, um, it's been over 50 years since the Stonewall riots. And with every step we take forward, there are hurdles and obstacles, but we got to keep going because it's in honor and remembrance of everybody that came before that fought. Just like how we had women that fought for our right to vote, there have been people that have fought and marched and struggled for the human rights of the LGBTQAI community, especially in the face of all kinds of stuff going on in this country. We've got to stand up for all the people that we love. Yes. But yeah, that's kind of the big, short, tall, and long of the Stonewall Riots, Laura. So...
0: And that's kind of how Pride Month got started, right?
1: And that's kind of the whole catalyst as to why I believe, because I didn't do further research into why particularly June. But I can definitely say, considering the impact of the Stonewall Riots, it's such a huge um, moment in gay history. So I can totally see why June is the month for Pride, considering it's when all of this kind of kicked off. Yeah. Yeah. A little, little happy, a little sad, a little melancholy kind of history, but it's important that we learn it. It's important that we understand it. And it's important that we take the knowledge from it and continue to move forward. Yes. So, Laura, are you ready for tonight's game? Yay! Woo! Okay, so this one is a little bit different. So, one of the crazy things of research I came across was different legislation. And penal codes and different things that were put into place that illegalized gay activity. And then, as it goes further down the trend, we see the decriminalization of it over the years. So, I have some dates of the beginnings of decriminalization in different countries.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: (laughs) So, I'm going to show you. I've got it on a little card here. For Laura, and she's got all kinds of pens and fun little stuff around here. I love pens. It's like
0: one of my favorite things. I can never have too many.
1: So since, uh, through the magic of podcasting, you guys can't see this, get out like a piece of paper and a pen real quick. And you can write down what I've got on this piece of paper that I'm about to give to Laura. So in the left side, we have five different years. We have 1967, 1924, 1975, 1991, and 2003. On the right-hand side, we have the USA, Australia, Hong Kong, the UK, and Peru. Okay. So I'm going to slide this over to Laura. Laura, connect from the year on the left side to the corresponding country on the right that you think that is the year that that country started to put in laws to help decriminalize same-sex relationships and activity.
0: Okay, I'm going to go with 2003, Hong Kong. I'm going to say UK. I don't know very much about Peru. I'm going to say UK did 1975. And then I'm going to say USA decriminalizing it.
1: The beginning of decriminalizing it. Not total... But the, but just start, the start, of thing, start of it. Like when they really started putting things into legislation.
0: I'm going to say USA is 1967. I'm giving them probably more. 1924, I think I'll go with Australia. They seem, now they seem a little bit more liberal. And then Peru, I'll go with 1991.
1: Okay. okay. So Laura's final answers are starting, let's start with the furthest back date. So 1924, Laura said it was Australia. That's false. Oh, dang. Are you ready for this mind blowing fact? Peru. Oh, okay. So in 1924, Peru had a penal code put in much earlier, basically criminalizing um, what they considered to be sodomy. But then later in 1924, they wrote in a new thing into their penal code. Basically saying that if it is consensual and it is private, it ain't nobody's business and we are not going to criminalize it. Fucking Peru. Peru, baby! Yeah, you guys get it.
0: Or you got it earlier than everybody else did.
1: I'm telling you, I had no idea until I did this research. I was like, get it, Peru. That's kind of
0: what I want to know. Like, who's asking? Like, sodomy is illegal. Who's asking people? Like, I mean, doing it publicly? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't have any of those parts out publicly unless you're in a club that is there for that kind of thing. But... (laughs)
1: But still low. But yeah, I was totally surprised that Peru was the first one that we had on the list of beginnings of decriminalization. It was completely unexpected. The next year going down, or rather going up, we're going up one to 1967. So Laura is saying that the USA started to decriminalize homosexuality, beginning of it, in 1967. Considering the Stonewall riots took place in 1969. Okay,
0: listen, because I thought about that. I was like, she said those took place in 1969, so maybe people were like a couple years earlier trying to start stuff. Okay, I see the flaw in that now. It's okay. Anyway,
1: but actually, that was the UK. Okay. So, and crazy enough, in 1957, they put in a report called the Woofenden Report which actually showed and stated, like, homosexuality is not a disease. And basically it was stating out all these facts and figures trying to help get it decriminalized. It took them 10 years later to put it into effect. But the only two places that it wasn't put into effect in were, Northern, were Scotland and Northern Ireland. They didn't switch over until the 1980s.
0: Huh. I can't believe that I put the UK in... As after America, I'm dumb because I definitely knew that the UK had, yeah. Anyway,
1: you're okay. You're you're not dumb. You're high.
0: Okay, <laughs> we should get that on a T-shirt. <laughs> anyway,
1: yeah. Okay, so the next date we have in order is 1975. Laura had the UK for this one, and we now know because I just told y'all it was 1967 for the UK. So actually, in 1975 that honor went to Australia. Australia started to decriminalize homosexuality. Again, if it's private, it's consensual, ain't nobody's business. And as Australia continued to progress with that, that's why it became such a hot spot for pride and for the LGBTQ community with so many people wanting to go to Australia.
0: America's going to be the 2003, isn't it?
1: I don't give spoilers, at least not on this episode.
0: Anyway, continue.
1: <laughs> okay, so... 1991. So Laura put in 1991 for Peru. We know that Peru was actually in 1924. So in 1991, Hong Kong decriminalized it.
0: I really thought Hong Kong was not going to win, but or was not going to beat us. I really thought.
1: So in 2003, who did I put? For- was when- you put Hong Kong for 2003?
0: Who did I put? What did I put for USA? I put 1957. You
1: put 1967 for the USA.
0: That was so stupid.
1: But yeah, no, no, no. anyway. anyway. I'm not stupid. You're high and you gave us a lot of credit. So in the historic case of Lawrence versus Texas, the criminalization of private consensual same-sex sexual activity under Texan law, and by extension, such laws in any other U.S. state, was protected by a right to personal and private life located within the Due Process Clause of the U.S. Constitution in the 14th Amendment, baby. So the United States fully decriminalized all same-sex relationships in 2003. So.
0: After Hong Kong. One of the most <laughs> strict countries?
1: they're out there. They got, it. They, got it. They, got it. they got some stuff going on. But, I mean, Isn't Hong Kong in China? It, it's kind of a separate thing from China. There's a whole thing about that. But I would say they're no North Korea.
0: Oh, absolutely. But anyway. <laughs> but, but
1: they do have a lot of different laws and stuff. But yeah, basically, they just decriminalized it. Because they're like, hey, if it's consensual and it's private, ain't nobody's business. And that is the standpoint of which a lot of the decriminalization starts from. And then more rights and everything follow after the start of these decriminalizations. Because although we decriminalized... um same-sex relationships in 2003 as far as rights for gay marriage and everything else that still took until 2016 people suck
0: (laughs) i didn't realize that it was still a criminal thing i knew that they couldn't get married until i knew it was the 2010s but
1: well it's the whole thing of you know separation of stuff and states have the rights to be able to make their own laws, blah, blah, blah. blah. And it's under that whole blanket thing that we have written into our legislation across the board for us laws that allow states to be able to put up roadblocks and penalizations like this, like what Texas had. And so by the Supreme court ruling in Lawrence versus Texas, Texas lost And as a result, all the rest of the United States had to decriminalize it. Hmm. So it was kind of the start and the catalyst for everything else that has come after it, just like with Stonewall. So progression, it may be slow, but if we keep at it, we do get there.
0: I Do you happen to know? So it's legal. It is legal for LGBTQIA plus people to get married everywhere. It like... Every country, every state in America,
1: it is federally protected. Federally protected. So, yes. so even if
0: Texas's law says you can't, they federally would still be considered exactly. Okay.
1: The main things that we kind of see a problem of as far as federally protected rights of individuals um, is that we have very cruddy individuals that stand on the stance of freedom of religion as the reason why they do not provide services for people that are an opposing view or lifestyle to their own, such as um, with the case of one county clerk. I This was a case that I read about ages ago, but she basically stood on the standpoint of, it's against my religion It comes to same-sex marriages. I'm a county clerk, so I will not award marriage license to same-sex couples.
0: See, that seems shitty.
1: It's exceedingly shitty because this is the thing. Regardless of your religious affiliation, this this is the thing of it. It is your job. Is what you're required to do. It is federally protected for these individuals to get married. And also it's only against your religion if you go and marry somebody of the same gender, not somebody
0: else. Yeah, it's your religion is your religion and that's how it you know, you can view the world, that's fine. But don't expect people to don't expect people to just do what you do because it's your religion. Because
1: because that is imposing your religious beliefs on another right. individual, and that in itself is another form of oppression.
0: Jewish people, they don't eat pork? Yes. That is, I think, an Orthodox Jew. I know some Jews aren't as strict about that. But it would be like a Jew saying, we should outlaw cooking pork or eating pork because it's their religion. And nobody nobody would do it if, if that was the case.
1: Exactly. And but- And again... It's it's the whole thing of you can't deny somebody else their legal rights by saying that your rights take higher priority. If you are so devoted to your faith and to your personal religious beliefs, then quit your job as a county clerk. That's a that is a more ignoble stance to take is just to walk away from all that and go, oh, well, if they're going to make me do this, then I guess I can't work here anymore. If you're going to commit, motherfucker, then commit.
0: Right, yeah. Don't be a
1: pansy jeez.
0: Right. And that's, like I said, it just people judge people over things that don't affect other people. Mm -hmm. Don't do that.
1: Don't do that. Just love
0: people for who they are. and Don't be
1: a jerk, guys. If we can't teach you anything else in this class with me as your sober researcher and Laura as your high-questioner, then I don't know what we're doing here. If we can't teach you to be kind to others, to be compassionate, to be empathetic, and to mind your business. Mind like, your own
0: fucking business.
1: Because if it's not happening in your bedroom, it's none of your business. You yeah, got very sassy and off-topic on, off on this episode, but oh, I like it. I don't think it's off-topic. I think it just...
0: I feel like the more times I say just be nice to people, it just putting it out there in the universe. Just mm-hmm. be nice to people, please.
1: Just be kind, be kind, be empathetic, be supportive, be understanding, put yourself in the position of the other person and leave space for them to share their stories and share their thoughts, share their views. But more than that, just respect other people, no matter how different you think your views are, or your beliefs are from them at the end of the day, love is love and love always wins. And I literally have that hanging in my foyer at home. She does. Thanks for (laughs) joining us for another episode and for our very special Pride episode this week. You guys go out there and march, dance, love who you want to love, and just be kind to one another. We love you guys. Have a great day and be nice to each other. (laughs) Yes. Happy Pride Month, everybody. Be kind. Love always wins. Just like how we love all of you. Bye.
0: Bye.